Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. Tactical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer new back in America. Soccer new back in America. Featuring person talking about soccer lots. Hello and welcome to episode 107, the double-length special, the cavalcade edition of Soccer New Rock in America featuring Person Noob. Hello! Our show weekly is always us mini-previewing 10 of the most intriguing matches from around the world, but from anywhere in the world, not just the big football countries, whether it's clubs or national teams, we will go to all the biggest and best, but we'll go to the smallest countries and confederations too. do lots of learning and lots of fun. Now this week, you might be expecting a Halloween theme. We really don't have that for you for the most part, except that you might think you're getting treated. There were so many trophy and league deciding matches this week that it just made no sense for us to cut anywhere near down to 10 matches. So we are doing 21 with apologies to the management who does all of our production and editing. It's going to be a a long week of some late nights for him. Probably that's a point right there where I, where I would have requested a count von count from Sesame street, uh, a sounder for 21 there, but you know what? I don't think he ever counted that high. Maybe we could at least get the thunderclap or something. Here, I'll do it. 21. Ah, 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 ah. Yeah, that sort of worked. By the way, hello from Sodor. Um, as the Isles' uh, Premier League official international journalist, uh, me and Persinoop, we're spending this week back in the capital city of Suttery, where the preseason Super Cup festivities took place. This is an off week for the league, as uh, instead of footy, uh, the gals are going to have their National Fall Lawn Darts Championships. There's no soccer league here on Sodor because the gals play lawn darts, and the men stay the heck away for safety's sake. And not because they're not good. <laughs> they put it exactly where they want it, and that's what has the men afeared. Uh, the scrimmage that took place as part of the Super Cup uh, festivities a few weeks ago was competitive, tense, and bloody as heck. Those gals, just to make a point, they'll stand right under the darts if they're overshot. They're willing to take one in their foot or ankle. It is nasty. There is nothing like it in the U.S., and I am still not used to it. I think I'll be watching it sort of like an eclipse, maybe through it a hole in a piece of cardboard or maybe just with one of my eyes covered. It's it's fascinating and, and horrific at the same time. Now, last week we were in Vickerstown uh, on the East Coast uh, watching that team take on the sort of uh, odd folk, uh, to be honest, from up north, a team called Peel Godred. Uh, Largely uh, those communities in the north central and northeast part of the country, uh, they're farmers and they're miners, and they're really not quite 
quite as connected to the rest of the aisle. I mean, obviously all the trains go up there because they've got to get those goods and that's how people get around on this place. The children's show is based on it for a reason, of course. Uh, But that's really all the stuff that moves in and out of there for the most part, other than players for soccer matches are the vegetables and uh, the stuff that they're all the ores that they're mining. So there's some strange folks, but good soccer players. They managed a five, five draw on the road. Reminder. Once again, they don't believe really in defense here on Sodor. Now, uh, two weeks from now, we're going to travel westward to Arlesburg and watch their United team take on Tidmouth city. Uh, in the only other season that, uh, the FA sponsored a season here nationally, 2018-2019. Those were the two lowest teams in the table. But because of the pandemic that quickly came on uh, right at season end, they decided to put relegation on hold. But enough of that. Let's get into this absolutely breathtaking week for the Cavalcade Double Edition and dive right in with... March number one! We start our epic journey on Friday with a stop at the Jordanian Pro League, the top flight in the nation of Jordan. It is ranked number 10 in Asia, up two from a year ago. They're getting pretty darn good. Their champion, of course, goes to the Champions League, and they get to start in the group stage, and they get to send a second representative to the playoff round of the Champions League. Plus, they are also still the highest-rated league on the continent that will bother to send a representative to the AFC Cup. If they climb much of any higher, they'll be sending all of three of their representatives to the Champions League. And it is trophy time, the last match of the season there. Second place in the table, all Wedat is taking on number one, all Faisali and playing host. Here's how the table stands. Faisali lead Wedat by one. So... If uh, all Wadet want to earn the trophy there at home, hoisted in front of the fans, they have to get a win. All all Faisali need to be crowned champions is get a draw. Now, little side note, if Faisali win the match, number three, all Hussein could pass Wadet for second place and uh, get that Champions League berth. They've only got to make up three on goal differential. So all Wadet might even be willing to settle if push comes to shove near the end of the game for just keeping the game very, very close. But obviously they want to win the league trophy outright. Uh, they could even mathematically take over all Faisley for number one if these two were to play to a draw, but uh, all Hussein would have to win their game by like 12 goals, and I don't think that's going to happen. Anyway, back to these two. When they played earlier in the regular season, all Faisali won 1-0. Also, they played in the FA Cup just a couple of weeks ago, and Waydot won that match 1-1 on penalty kicks then. And Waydot are your heavy faves for this particular one. Home home advantage is going to mean a lot, and we'll talk about them first. Uh, A site that I like called Football Database ranks them as the number one club in all of Jordan. Their AFC rank has them uh, nearly in the top 40. Uh, FIFA rank, they're outside the top 500. Number 545 is what I saw from a few months ago. And by the way, that name, all Waydot, that is not the name of the city they're from. It's a word that loosely means united. So, uh, oh, and they are known as the Green Giant, which is somebody who grew up in the uh, Jolly Green Giant commercials. I kind of find fun. Ho, 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 ho. Anyway, they play out of the city of Amman, Newcamp, which is the second largest Palestinian refugee area of the 10 that are in the country. Current population is uh, over 57,000. 
Amman is pretty nearby, and that is the capital of the country, of course. This team has won 17 league titles. The most recent one was two years ago. They won the majority of their titles in the 2010s. Uh, they made the Champions League group stage the last two years, and that is the best they've ever done. Obviously, they are looking hard to get back yet again. Uh, three times in the AFC Cup, they have been to the semifinals. Most recent of those was a decade ago. Last year, they finished in second place. This year, the defense is where they're getting it done. They only give up a match or a goal, rather, every other match on average, and it has served them so well, especially here at the end of the season. Uh, they are 7-0-1 in their last day. Their only loss was, uh, interestingly, at home to number three, Hussein, that we were talking about. And now Faisali. They play out of the capital city proper of Amman and are known as the Blue Eagles. They have one of those great crests, every, probably about one out of every 10 crests in the entire world. Seems to have an eagle or some other type of uh, large predatory bird that is perched on a soccer ball I've, and with its wings spread. Well, I've always thought it's uh, more amusing to think that rather than the it may be landing on the ball, that maybe the bird is flying away and stealing the ball. I want one club uh, to have the guts to, uh, you know, in their native language, make the uh, make their slogan and put it right on the crest. That damn bird is taking our ball with an exclamation point. But anyway, wish in one hand and, well, you know what to do in the other hand and see which one, <laughs> see which one fills up first. I think the name Al-Faisli, by the way, has, uh, I did some looking at from Arabic. It has something to do about being an arbiter between uh, good and evil, like being on that line or being able to judge. Uh, something might be lost in the translation here, but it was a really interesting name to try to look up. Uh, they are considered the most successful uh, team in the country in Jordan right now. Uh, they won the AFC Cup, by the way, that secondary tournament I mentioned two different times, back-to-back 2005-2006. They have won the league title 34 times. Uh, 2016, they made the Champions League playoff round. I believe that might be the, the best they've ever done in that event. The best that they've ever done in recent years internationally was in 2021, or maybe not the best they've ever done, but their most recent appearance was uh, 2021's AFC Cup. Last year, they finished in fourth place in the table. Uh, they are number one on offense this year, and by quite a bit. This isn't the highest scoring league in the world, and yet they have quite a bit of uh, a gap between them and their opponents in that regard, averaging over two goals per match. And their defense is almost as good as all way dots. So that's going to make it a really interesting matchup. Form in their last three, they are 1 1 and 1 with a loss to all way dot in the FA Cup in penalty kicks. Match number B. And now let's go award another trophy, but at the international level, about the South American, or CONMEBOL, as their organization is called, Women's Copa Libertadores Final. That is their version of the Champions League, an event that's only been going on since 2019, as they really start to try to build up the women's footy scene once again on that continent. 16 teams participated this year, and the final is being played in Quito, Venezuela. Your matchup is Boca Juniors out of Argentina taking on Paul Myras, your heavy favorites from Brazil. Well, nevertheless, we'll talk about the hosts on paper first in Boca Juniors. They play out of the city of Buenos Aires and have won 25 league titles, the most in the country. Uh, those are mostly uh, stage titles. They went to a single round robin format this year, I believe for the first time, at the very least the first time in quite a while. 2010 Copa Libertadores, they finished in third place, and that is their best ever finish. Uh, they qualified as the 2021 Primera División A playoff champions. 
Uh, they just won the 2022 season last month, and that'll put them in next year's event, of course. They won by that. They won that by one point over a team called UAI Orkitsa. They went undefeated, and only two teams even managed to get draws against them. Their goal differential in 20 matches was astounding, 71 against 6. And now Palmyras playing out of uh, Vinedo, Sao Paulo, which is uh, a, a district or ward or township. I'm not quite sure which of about 80,000 people. This is a club that existed at one point, as a lot of clubs in South America did. Then it kind of dissolved or went away for a while and came back. It got refounded in 2019. The uh, reason for that is a little unfortunate, except that the result was that they get a team. The new rule with Conmebol is that a club cannot send their men's team to the Copa Libertadores if they don't have a women's team. So basically, uh, the club of Palmyras, uh, the men's team organization, said, fine, we will outsource it to this nearby uh, township of Valinho. They found some people to run it. They're paying the salaries. And other than that, really don't have anything to do with the club. But at least they've got it going. That's a start. And hey, look how great they're doing. Uh, they qualified by finishing uh, second best last year in the top league there called the Femenino A1. 2022, uh, they won the league's regular season and made the playoff semifinals. They excelled on offense, uh, number one by far in that regard, scoring three per match. They're going to be hard to stop, uh, even playing in a neutral uh, a neutral site. And then they had a top three defense to go with that as well. The star player to look for in this match for them, potentially, she's tied for second best in league scoring on the team, or in the league, rather, with nine on the year, was Bia Zanarato. She plays forward for them. She's actually here on loan for the last two or three years from a club called Wuhan uh, Jiangan University over in China. Uh, I'm not sure if she's actually on loan this year, I should say, but I know she was for the two to three years prior to that. And congratulations to her on having recently reached her 100th national team appearance. She's been uh, appearing for them since 2011. Match number three. By the way, that one as well was a Friday match. And now we move on to Saturday on the calendar for number three and come back here to the States for the NWSL final. More women's football and the championship is going to be played between host number B from the regular season, Portland Thorns, and number five finishers, KC Current, who really came on uh, in the last third of the season. They'll be playing this. Uh, I said Portland was hosting, but they're actually playing it in Washington, D.C. Sorry about that. When they played earlier this season at Portland, the Thorns won 3-0. Kansas City managed a 1-1 draw when Portland came a call-in. The series between these two is relatively brief because it's a little hard to discern between what was Casey Curran and what was the Utah Royals, an original expansion team that has moved back and forth a little bit. But uh, Portland haven't lost to them in a while in any way. A 4-2-0 record they've accrued. And they are a heavy favorites. For example, Caesar Sportsbook put, puts Portland at minus 170. That's massive. Also massive is the fact that they're getting on major network national broadcasting finally. They're going to be on CBS for the final at uh, 9 o'clock Eastern time. Now, uh, Portland, we talked about in our Week in Review episode, so I'm not going to say anything about them again, but let's talk a little bit about Kansas City. They had the lowest goal differential, uh, which was perfectly even, zero, of three teams that were tied for third through fifth place. Uh, in a way, even though they were hot at the end, it's a little bit of a surprise statistically that they made the playoffs at all. They were only seventh best on offense, defense, goal differential. They really were who they were, but 
somehow they were turning some ties into wins and snuck in, and here they are. They advanced to the final by beating number one for the regular season, O.L. Reign, nil two on the road. Very impressive. On the scoring and assist leaderboard for them uh, was Loal Labanta. She had seven goals and four assists in the year. And then also on the league scoring leaderboard, she came over from Louisville from earlier in the season. CeCe Kaiser, maybe their big star and most valuable player down the stretch. Match number four. And now let's take a hop across the pond for a league that we have never looked at before, I don't believe, on the podcast or maybe even all the way back to our website days. Say hello to Ireland's Women's National League. It's only the 31st ranked league in all of UEFA, but their champion still does get to go, of course, to the Champions League. And this is the last match of the season. Their triple round robin and your matchup is number B Wexford Youths taking on number one Shelbourne. And because Shelbourne only lead Wexham by one, this is effectively a title match. Maybe they'll even have the trophy on hand. Uh, By the way, Shelbourne also lead number three, uh, Athione Town by two, uh, but also by 21 on goal differential. So uh, Athione Town is not going to be catching up. One of these two will be your titleists. The two times they played earlier this season, uh, Wexford won nil one on the road, but then Shelbourne turned around and won their road match nil two. Will the trend continue and can Shelbourne hold on to their top spot at the table? I'm certainly not sure, but I think I might know who could be? You heard his voice along with Person Noobs on the match countdown saying match number four with her. That was our 3,500-year-old prognosticator, Noob Stradamus, who for the low, low price of just some uh, mystery expired prescriptions pills and uh, usually some chilled fresca is happy to touch the universal infinite, bring us a vision and let us know how we should gamble on this thing because, hey, we're trying to pay off a house and send a person to college maybe someday. So how should we play this? Take it away, almighty oh soothsayer. Greetings from Loch Garmon, the true Irish name for Wexford. Oh yes, I knew the football match for which you would wish a score prognosticated. And so I traveled to a place I knew from many centuries ago. The familiarity aids the transition to my oracle state, as does the lotus leaf I smoke, and I once again travel through space and time. The darkness fades, and I stand just where I was, but since the time is different. Unsurprisingly, it is many centuries in the distant past, a time which history and myth were later written as being much the same. I know I am here because I was part of that history. I have come for the Samhain Festival, and it's largely not what you think. Based on how Wiccans and such have been celebrating it for 150 years or so, it is a harvest festival. The crops are being brought in, as well as livestock from the browning pastureland. But in truth, it is also a time for supernatural things. A liminal time when the boundaries between the seen and unseen worlds is thinned. While others drink and make merry one night, I was divining with apples and nuts, as was common there, when I became possessed of a mind to go meditate at the mouth of the river, the Slaney. 
It turns out, I was there not to gain wisdom, but to mete out justice. After a time, a surly-looking cretin would come sprinting and stumbling over the mud flats and through the darkness. The moon easily catches the glint of what he carries. The fool had stolen the queen's crown from Tamer, the nearby site of Sacral Lordship. I hear the chase afoot, if well behind, as he makes to ford the river. But he would ne'er see the other side, for I have power over the natural. More so, perhaps, during a Samhain festival. With focused thought of my holy noggin, I break the dam and drown the piteous scoundrel. I would later learn they named the lock for him as his name was Garman Makboma Liche. Darkness again washes over me. I wake and can tell you with confidence that though Old Samhain was November 1st by your calendar, these festivities were always on the 31st of October. Wexford will see their own justice meted out and will win three to one. I have seen, and I have spoken. Match number five. Snatching up those frequent flyer miles just as quick as we can, we're now headed back to the States for a quarterfinal matchup in the second division playoffs in the U.S., the USL Championship. And the one that looked most intriguing to us, number three from the Western Conference regular season, Colorado Springs Switchbacks. Gotta love that name. Uh, taking on number four in the West, Sacramento Republic. Uh, the series between these two of late, the Republic have had the slight better of it with a 5-2-4 and four record. Uh, this season, they've each kind of dropped the hammer on the other one once at home, Colorado. They defended their home turf 3-0, and Sacramento won their match 3-0 in the Golden State. The winners will get to play either uh, number one for the West San Antonio or number seven, Oakland Roots, a surprise team this year. Uh, did a little bit of looking, and Colorado, by virtue of being home, are the slight favorites. I have a feeling there's some uh, interesting betting going on in favor of Sacramento Republic because they had such a good year in the U.S. Open Cup. We'll talk that in a little bit. You can catch this on ESPN Plus, by the way, at 9 o'clock Eastern time here in the States. Colorado Springs, they played a fairly new place that they built just so they could be in Division II. Widener Field with a capacity of 8,000, and I will bet that they will sell that out for this. They finished 22 points behind number one defending champion San Antonio in the West. Nevertheless, I'm sure they would love another crack at them, or Oakland if it comes down to it. In the opening round of the playoffs, they beat number six, Rio Grande Valley, three to nil. Last year, they finished third place in their division. That was uh, starting la uh, last year. They had four divisions and two conferences. This year, they just went to Eastern Western conferences. They were fifth overall in the West and fell out of the playoffs at the very first round. This year, the defense is, uh, it's not been that great, to be perfectly honest, average at best, but they had the second best offense in the West. Only the number six goal differential. So uh, I don't want to say it's surprising that they've gotten this far, but this is a team that is not without its weaknesses. On the scoring side of things, 
Tied for number five in the league with 16 was Haji Berry from the nation of Guinea over in Africa, plays forward with them. He also tied for number three in assists. So if Sacramento can uh, keep him covered up to some degree, uh, the switchbacks are going to have a terrible time. If you're wondering how a guy from Guinea ended up at the second division of the U.S., well, part of the answer to that is he's actually been living in the States since his family moved over here when he was in his teenage years. Teams were informed they are 2-1-1 one, and one in their last four. And now the Republic, Sacramento. I never realized until I started doing a little research that they had a secondary nickname. They're also known as the Quails. Eh, not the most intimidating name, but hey, at least it's different. And they are not the Lions. They were actually awarded a Major League Soccer expansion bid fairly brief, fairly recently, but that bid ended up having to get put on hold as uh, things get worked over on uh, how the stadium is going to be built. They've won the league title here in the championship once before, 2014, and they won the regular season title in 2016. This year in the FA Cup, or as they call it here, the U.S. Open Cup, they beat three different Major League Soccer sides in route to getting to the final before they lost to Orlando City. Quite the run. Last year, they finished in seventh place in their division. As you would imagine, that means they did not make the playoffs. Uh, this year, uh, this is a really high-scoring division. They, a- they averaged almost one and a half goals per match. That's not stupendous by any means, but it was only good for 11th place as far as the offenses in the West. But the defense, wow, can they shut it down. They had the second-best one in that regard, and therefore the second-best overall goal differential. Things were really tight on the offensive side of things ordinarily. They only give up one goal per match on average. On the scoring leaderboard for them, so probably accounting for like a third or so of their goals, midfielder uh, veteran Rodrigo Lopez, 35 years old, Mexican-born, but moved up to the States when he was two, and he did rep for the United States a little bit at the uh, youth levels. He spent the heart of his career with a second division team down in Mexico called Salaya, who I think are this year the favorites uh, to win the Liga MX uh, Expansión. Their current form, 2-1-0 in their last three. And now it's time for... Person Noob Sandwich Review. The spooky Halloween edition. What's spooky is what person noob has chosen to uh, make in lieu of a sandwich. Because this is our show and we don't always review sandwiches, do we? No. I feel like the last time we did this, we reviewed something other than a sandwich. Excuse me, review. Because anything with a long O sound ends with a B on this show. (laughs) Ooh, that's a very spooky laugh. What did we review last time? It wasn't a sandwich. Was it? Oh, it was Indian food. That we had for my birthday. My tomato soup. Yeah, we had some naan and some other stuff. How did you feel about the Indian food? I did not like it. Oh, I think you gave it a halfway decent review, the tomato soup you got. That was delicately yeah. spiced in some sort of quote-unquote Indian fashion. But do you want to try this first? It's not a sandwich. Or do you want to describe to the people what is in it? And I will help. I'm going to tell you guys what is in it. Um, so I, I've learned a Halloween candy concerning it's like a few days after Halloween or whatever. I've lost track of time, honestly. Um, there's, uh, there's Kit Kats, M&M's, Reese's, Snickers, uh, the Whoppers. I have one Hershey Kiss in there. And, and, and was that vanilla thing that you put in there? Yeah, it was just something called a Fruit Chew, which seemed to be a generic brand. And I've seen them before. They're kind of Tootsie Roll-like. But this one is vanilla. So I failed to see what's fruity about that. The Twizzler is far more fruity, and then uh, you've added milk, and the strawberry nerds we added are making it 
we're making it pink, but now that the chocolate is coming off of some of the candy, uh, now it's uh, turning more of a, a brownish pink. Uh, yeah, the oh, M&M's yeah, food stuff. coloring is wearing off, but it's not really seeming to strongly affect the milk color. Just looking at the aesthetics, by adding the milk, I thought it might all tie it together. And we added some chocolate syrup, too, to make it look like some sort of candy salad. But it really just looks like, how would you describe it? Looks like a Candyland swamp. <laughs> wow, that's excellent. I was just going to say a bowl full of candy. Somebody dumped some chocolate milk on because it didn't tie it all together. But a Candyland swamp, a marsh, a moor, a fen, if you will. That's awesome. Now, you've had a couple, three bites. Do you feel like uh, maybe other than the Twizzler, the Twizzler looks whole? Do you feel like you've gotten most of the candy in there? I can hear you crunching uh, strawberry nerds. No, no nerds in that. No nerds in that one? Maybe two. Uh, I just had two Whoppers and one of the halves or quarters or whatever of the um, Starburst. And it just, Oh, wow. that's right. We had strawberry. Yeah, we wanted to make wow. sure to get some non-chocolate things in there to kind of spice it up a little bit. And so now that you've had a few bites, uh, what are your thoughts? Describe to people the texture, uh, the taste. You can do it with your mouthful. If you're eating more, you must like it. You're going for more. It tastes good. Are you catching any of the strawberry flavor from the nerds? A lot. That's good. I mean, is or it, is it, are they so sour that it's kind of overpowering? It's like, it's like, uh, a strawberry milk that's been sitting out for a bit. <laughs> uh, like not expired, but like you, like you set it down after like getting it or whatever. For, for like 30 minutes or whatever, and then you drink it. Um, and, and then also there's a heavy chocolate. I'm getting a lot of chocolate. I was a little bit concerned that with the strawberries, uh, the strawburst, <laughs> the starburst and the strawberry nerds, that it might, that those might end up tasting extra sour and also in turn make the chocolate stuff taste too extra sweet. The Kit Kat doesn't even taste like a Kit Kat anymore, honestly. Mm. I just had a Kit Kat. No, it doesn't taste like a Kit Kat. So, how do you feel about uh, how do you feel about the smell? Let's do a review here. Hold on. Okay, describe it for the peoples. I can barely smell it, but it smells like old chocolate that is so old <laughs> that, that, that that you can just barely smell it, and and also. It's, it's like you chopped up a bit of strawberries into it, but they have a smell. And how did the texture work all together? It's like wet and crunchy, really. It's just wet. Did the milk bring it all together, or do you feel like adding mm. the milk didn't really do anything? The milk did a lot. Oh, really? Good or bad? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you just know it would have been different. Okay. And then finally, the taste. Would you, uh, well, you've taken several bites, so I think I know where you're going to go with this. Uh, would you make it again? And would you eat it? Yes. I rated 8.5 noobs out of 10 noobs. Eight point, oh, wow. We normally go with five noobs. So we've expanded the scale. We have expanded the scale. Okay. And we're going with an 8.5. So that is very strong. That is better than a four out of five previous and, noobs. And, 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 and we can use half noobs now. Oh, that yes. You used a half noob last time for the Indian food, I believe. Me. So eight and a half noobs. That is a strong rating. You can catch us on Twitter, Soccer Noob USA, if you want to get the complete recipe. Once again, thank you for tuning into...
Person Noob Sandwich Review. The Spooky Halloween Edition. Rar says the sock monster. Match number six. Still Saturday, still here stateside, but we're going to slide down to the third tier leagues playoffs. That is the USL League One. They have reached their semifinals where number B, Greenville Triumph. They've got a juicy matchup against number three, South Georgia Tormenta. The series between these two in recent years has gone South Georgia's way. They've accrued a 7-2-5 and five record, largely because of how well they've done against Greenville this year. They won 1-3 and 0-2 on the road. And then at home, they managed a 5-5 uh, five, five draw. Uh, Greenville are still your heavy favorites for some reason. I, I think that has to do with how successful they've been in the playoffs the last couple, three years. You can see how it's going to go at 7.30 Eastern time on ESPN+. Plus. Greenville, that is in South Carolina in the northwest part of the state. Uh, it's a city proper of about 70,000, but the whole upstate area used to be called Up Country. It's the commercial center of this part of the state and has about uh, 1.5 million people. Uh, give you a little perspective geographically, it's about halfway between uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, and Atlanta. They have made the final the last three years and couldn't have done it before that because those were the first three years of their existence. They won the regular season and the title, by the way, in 2020. This year, they got a bye straight into the semifinals by finishing in the top two in the regular season. They finished just one point ahead of South Georgia. Uh, their offense was okay, one and a third goals per match. The defense was better, tied for number three. Uh, their overall goal differential was only barely in the top half of the league and barely positive at plus two. Uh, number five league scorers, theirs to boast of, with 12 was Jacob Labovitz. And they've got, in my opinion, the best goalkeeper in the league going. He had 10 clean sheets. That was Paul Christensen. He came up through the Seattle Sounders system, and then later on he ended up playing a little bit for the reserve team over in Atlanta. Uh, this team, it's hard to say whether they've been really successful of late or not. Just one clean sheet in their last five, and their record, while they don't have any losses, just one, four, and oh. And now, looking to take advantage of that and continue their streak against them, South Georgia, the Tormenta. Now, it's not their official nickname. That's the Tormenta. But I love the fact that they've got a really cool bird. It's an ibis that's on the crest. Uh, it's funny that they call it South Georgia, at least to me, because if you were to break up Georgia into northern and southern halves, it's barely in the southern half of the state. And it's really far more uh, eastern than anything else. Uh, by the way, this is a city that is home to Georgia Southern University. Uh, the city and the county overall have about 75,000 people. Last year, I've got a note here that says they finished in 11th place. I'm trying to think, did they even have that many teams? In any case, they didn't do particularly well. This is their fourth season in the championship, and they have never done better than number six. And they've never been to the playoffs before. So congratulations to them for making it and making it this far. They advanced to this round by winning in the first round over number six, Charlotte Independence, two to one. Uh, this year, their uh, stats, the defense isn't that great. They give up one and, a third, uh, one and a third goals per game, but the offense is a little bit better. And so I think they might look to push the pace a little bit, even on the road. Neither of these teams, by the way, has had too many draws. So it's a really weird season. I think they'll get up and down the field quite a bit. Tied for number three in league scoring is Kazia Sterling. He's a forward, just 23 years old, who actually came up with Tottenham Hotspur. But then when he was over in England, I don't think he made any senior appearances for them. He mostly played for clubs that looks like they were from the uh, fourth all the way down to the seventh level. 
And then on the assist leaderboard with five on the regular season for them was their German midfielder, Adrian Billhart. He came up with Union Berlin, who are having a sensational start to their Bundesliga uh, campaign this year. He came over to the States for college, spent three years with the University of South Florida. Their current form unbeaten in their last seven. Match number seven. All right, this is our big trophy cavalcade episode, and there was no trophy in the last one because it was a semifinal. Let's get back to the theme and head down to Curacao, where the top flight is called the First Division, and they are having their final. By the way, Curacao, uh, their league is just rated number 17 in CONCACAF, at least according to a site I like called Kick Algorithms. Puts them right above a uh, country that at least the national team is a little bit better known to American soccer fans, Trinidad and Tobago. Now, Things are changing with CONCACAF. Uh, we've got our Champions League that will remain the same. We've got the CONCACAF League, which is a feeder tournament for it, which is uh, largely teams from Latin America and the Caribbean. But those latter two things are going by the wayside. I believe the new tournament that they're instituting is going to be called the CFU Cup for the Caribbean teams uh, starting in 2023. At least the winner from this league will definitely make it, of course. I have a strong suspicion that the champions and maybe one other team will make it as well. Two would kind of fit the standard for how things had gone previously. They've also got an interesting format, by the way, for the season in this league. The regular season has 10 teams and it gets whittled down to six. And then those six move on uh, to something called the Kaya Six, which is their second stage. And then they whittle it down from six teams to four for the Kaya Four. And then once they've played that one, the final two teams are in the title match. And by the way, no points carry over from each of the stages. So all you have to do is qualify. Your finalists are Young Holland, and they are taking on Young Columbia. Uh, you can't really call either one the real host functionally because they're playing this in Willemstad at the home stadium for both teams. We'll talk about Young Holland first since they're listed first on paper. First of all, I want to point out what a terrible crest. It's kind of an oddly shaped uh, shield, red, white, and blue. Normally those are great colors, but they're very, very dull here. And then right in the middle, looking like it's badly photoshopped in, it looks like a milk dud that's shaped like a football, except it's a really, well, how do I put this? Uh, it looks like a turd. I honestly thought that's what I was seeing the first time and then somebody had messed around with it. But in any case, they're the defending champions. They've won at least 10 league titles. Uh, uh, the country used to be, uh, you know, the, uh, the Netherlands Antilles. And so it's a little bit hard to get a real grasp on what each of these clubs histories looks like, but I can say that much with confidence. I could also say with confidence that this is the most confident team coming into the final because they won the regular season, the Kaya six and the Kaya four number one offense, almost two per match. Number one defense, giving up less than a goal per game, best goal differential by better than a factor of two. I couldn't find any gambling odds on this one, but uh, young Holland would be the safe bet. Although it's worth noting that in their last two matches, they only earned draws. Not that they really needed to do better than that though, because they still won the Kaya four. And now looking for the upset young Columbia. And yes, young is Dutch for young. And unfortunately, oh, here we go. I know what the management's going to do to me here. This team's nickname is the Sharks. Yes, the Young Sharks. Baby Shark, do 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 do. Baby Shark, do 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 do. Baby Shark, do 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 do. Baby Shark, mommy Shark. All right, get it out of your system. All right, that's good. 
Well, it was still bad, but that's good. No more. They play out of the city of Sint uh, Machil. Uh, that is the largest neighborhood, I should say, not city, in Willemstad. Uh, it's a very touristy area, and so it has a low population density. Uh, interesting place to have a football team, but it's over 50 years old. Uh, I can't tell you a whole lot about their history, but uh, not even sure they have multiple divisions on this island. But what I can tell you is that they did not play in Division One last year. I don't know if they had the year off for COVID or if they were playing in a secondary division. This year, they finished in fourth place in the regular season, third place in the Kaya Six, and then, of course, second place in the Kaya Four. Offense, very, very average for this league, but they had a much better defense, only giving up one goal per match. Uh, their form matches up with Young Hollands. They also earned two in their uh, two draws in their last two matches. So it'll be interesting to see who wants to get off that schneid a little bit and actually take home the trophy. All right, I know you really wanted to sing it. Go ahead. Baby sharks do 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 baby sharks. No, I think that's enough. We don't have to do the whole family. You're not going to stop, are you? Let's go to the next match. Match number eight. That might be the scariest, if not Halloween-related thing that we do this episode. Anyway, match number eight. We had the women's final forum on Friday, and now for Saturday, we get the men's side, the Copa Libertadores final in South America, between two Brazilian sides, Flamengo taking on Atletico Paranaense, and the winner is going to get an automatic berth into next year's event. The series between these two, Flamengo have had a slight advantage with a 16-10 and 10 record. This season, they each defended their home turf. Flamengo won 3-0, and Paranaense won 1-0. Uh, taking a look at some of the sports books online, Flamengo are your heavy favorites. By the way, they're going to be playing this at a neutral site, Guayaquil in Ecuador, and you can watch it on Be In Sports in English or Spanish, should your satellite package run deep enough, at 4 o'clock Eastern Time here in the States. The hosts on paper are Flamingo. They are known as the Evil One or the Vulture. I know they used to be called decades ago the Vulture is uh, sort of a bad thing by opposing fans, but they have uh, taken ownership of that nickname. They play out of Rio de Janeiro, specifically a very well-to-do residential neighborhood called Gabea. And this is the richest and most popular club in the country. So to be honest, rooting for them is a little bit like rooting for the Yankees, and it is not for most of us. Anyway, they are the number four-rated a club in all of Conmebol, at least as of last year. They've won the Copa Libertadores title twice, most recently 2019. They advanced to this final by winning 3-2 on aggregate over defending champions Paul Myras. Quite impressive. They've got on the event scoring leaderboard, actually he's in first place there, the singularly named Pedro plays striker for them, and he has scored 12 goals. Uh, he played for Fiorentina over in Italy early in his career, or briefly, I should say, in 2019-2020. This year he has had some interest from Leeds. I don't think he is going to be in the Brazilian top flight a whole lot longer. And speaking of the top flight here in Brazil, they're Serie A. They are currently number three in the league and have already qualified for next year's Champions League. There might still be some question as to whether they would start in the group stage or in one of the qualifying rounds. They've got a top two offense and a top two 
top four defense. Not a lot of weaknesses there. In league play, uh, they've got a top 10 scorer, along with Pedro, another guy worth noting. Gabriel Barbosa plays forward for them. He played briefly for uh, Inter Milan over in Italy, but mostly they were loaning him out. And then one final possible man-of-the-match candidate to look for, in my opinion, second place on assess in the league, and their best player, in my opinion, Georgian de Arascaita. He is an Uruguayan attacking midfielder with 40 national team caps to his credit since 2014. So you've got a lot of experience there that I think is going to make them tough to beat if he gets a lot of touches. Team's current form, they're peaking at the right time too. Unbeaten in their last eight, although it's worth noting they haven't kept any clean sheets over that stretch. Or in their last three, I should say. And now Atletico Paranaense. They are not known as the Piranha like the fish. It's not spelled that way. P-A-R-A-N-A is how they spell it over here. But they are known as the Hurricane. And they play out of the city of Curitiba. It's about 2 million people. It's the eighth largest one in the country and the biggest one in the South region. It's also one of the nation's safest cities. If I were to go visit down there, I think this is where I would at least start out and find my footing. Uh, There are really, uh, just like England has like their big six financially speaking, who are uh, taking up all the titles and Champions League berths. Usually in Brazil, there are really a big 12 historically. This is probably the best club that come from outside that group. They have won the Copa Sudamericana twice, including last year. That was how they officially qualified for this event. The Copa Sudamericana, by the way, is their equivalent of the Europa League, the second best international club tournament in South America. Last year in league play, well, they didn't do that well. It was a good thing that they won uh, that big tournament because they only finished in 14th place, well in the bottom half of the table. As far as their Champions League appearances, usually they fall out of it in the round of 16. They advanced last round uh, to this one over Argentinian side Velez Sarsfield, which is not one of the big traditional powers from over there. They were having a great run, but uh, Piranha Ense walloped them 6-1 to on aggregate. Uh, here in the 2022 season, they are in sixth place. Uh, they're currently in a Copa Libertadores position, but it's not guaranteed yet, even with just like probably three matches left to go in the season. Uh, their defense has been well below average. The offense a little bit better than average, and they've got a negative goal differential early on. So it seems like they've been putting a lot of their eggs in uh this tournament basket. Why not? It's for the Continental Championship. Uh, Their offense is not even in the same class as the top four in the league. The best player they have going overall is a defensive player, left back, 22 years old, uh, goes by the moniker of simply Abner. He does have a goal and two assists on the year. Good tackler, great dribbler, can help get counters going, but really he is just a defensive stalwart. He is hard. Look for the other team to be dribbling down the right side against this team. Man City were very interested in picking him up in uh, the January transfer window. I would expect him to make uh, a move to Europe in the offseason. Team's current form, they have lost two straight and given up a lot of goals doing it, as usual for them. A 3-7 and seven goal differential. Match number nine. Flip the page to Sunday, and no trophy quite on the line for this one, but we would certainly not miss out on the semifinals for Major League Soccer. In the more intriguing of the two matches to us, looks like number one from the Eastern Conference, Philadelphia Union. They get to play host to number three finishers, NYCFC. 
It's actually NYCFC that have a little bit better record in recent years. Uh, they've got a 10-2-7 and record accrued against the Union. Philadelphia, however, won both times when they played this season, 2-1 to at home and 0-2 on the road. You can see this one on FS1 at 8 o'clock Eastern time, and Philadelphia are your big, big favorites. Although I'm a little bit surprised at that because NYCFC are the defending league champions. Now, Philadelphia, they actually play in the town of Chester, which is part, of course, of the Philadelphia greater area. It's unfortunately for them best known for a lot of organized crime and the really corrupt Republican Party machine activities that have gone over there over the decades. As far as the footy, they've already qualified for the 2023 CONCACAF Champions League as division champions. They beat out CF Montreal by two points for the regular season title in the East and therefore earned a first-round bye. Uh, they advanced to the semifinal with a 1-0 win over a very surprising Cincinnati team. Congratulations to them. That's the team that we uh, live closest to. I won't say I'm an out-and-out out fan of them yet by any means. I like to stay a little bit neutral, but I was happy to see the closest thing I have to a hometown team do so well. Philadelphia. Uh, They won the conference, by the way, and the league title in 2020. They finished in second place in the East last year and then got as far as the playoff semifinals and then went on to also get to the semifinals of our region's Champions League. They had the number one offense in the East by quite a bit. They were the only team scoring over two goals per match. And then they had the best defense by even more, being the only team giving up less than one goal per match. Their goal differential, three times as good as anybody else's in the East. They're peaking at the right time. Uh, Tied for second best in league scoring. He didn't have the hottest start to his season, but he really came on in the second half. 22 goals overall for Daniel Gadzag from Hungary, their star midfielder, who's got 15 national team caps back home since 2019. And then tied for second best in assists on the league with 15 Kai Wagner. Uh, He played for the Schalke reserve team over in Germany's Bundesliga. Not that Schalke are going to be there much longer. They're in last place this year. And then for Würzburger Kickers, who were in Division Three at the time, I believe, when he played for him, and they're now in a regional fourth division. Uh, the most recent European, European interest this guy has had has been from Leeds over in the Premier League. They seem to really like to keep their eye on players over here. And then, of course, their biggest star, their goalkeeper, Andre Blake from Jamaica. He's been here since 2014. Who knows? Might be the best goalkeeper in the league. He's got over 200 appearances for this team and back home 64 national team appearances since 2014. But now NYCFC, uh, road or not, they won't go down easily, despite the fact that they are known as the Pigeons. Yeah, that's a really cool nickname. I do like it. As I mentioned before, they are the defending champions, and they made the semifinals of the Champions League this year, just like Philadelphia. They also won the Eastern Conference in 2019. They advanced to this final over Montreal with a 3-1 win last round. They finished 12 points back in Philadelphia. That was something of a race for a while. But NYC, they lost their uh, their big scoring their big scoring star halfway through the season and took a little bit for them to find their footing. They did finish with the overall fourth best offense. They leaned a little bit more heavily on their defense, and so were very well balanced ultimately and had the second best goal differential in the East. Uh, the guy that I mentioned that they lost was Valentin Castellanos. Uh, he moved on to uh, Girona over in La Liga. They're on loan. I doubt that he will be back. He is so good. 
Number six in assists in the league with 13 was Santiago Rodriguez, 22-year-old attacking midfielder out of Uruguay. He's actually on loan here from a team I'm not even that familiar with, Montevideo City Torque. They do things differently over there. They're top players. They tend to loan out and try to make a little bit of money off of that way rather than paying their host salaries by keeping uh, them there in the domestic league. They've also got the man who I believe to be the second best goalkeeper in the league. He had 14 clean sheets. That's Sean Johnson, uh, 33 years old. He made a handful of uh, men's national team appearances, but that was well back in the early 2010s. Uh, he spent a number of years with Chicago, but then he's been here since 2017. And match number 10. So we've already hit the NWSL, Major League Soccer, USL Championship, USL League One. Well, now we're going to go on to another third-tier league, just like League One, but a little bit different organization called NISA, the NISA. They have reached their semifinals. This is the league's fourth season. Uh, They started the season, interestingly, with two groups of five, but uh, Bay City and Valley United both withdrew, so they had to go to a one-group format. The top six got to make the playoffs. Uh, because the teams played an uneven number of matches rather than just not counting certain ones against both those, te- both those teams, they actually used average points earned per game to determine who the titleists were going to be and who the playoff finishers would be. And there was a big gap between the top two and the rest in this league. The matchup we're going to look at for the semifinal, number B from the regular season, Chattanooga FC, playing host to number three, Michigan Stars. Uh, the series is fairly young, as you would imagine, as is the league. Chattanooga have been a little bit better going 3-2-2 two, and two, and had the best of it this year. Uh, they drew a nil. Uh, they had a nil-nil draw at home, and then they earned a nil-nil draw at Michigan and then beat Michigan on the road in their other match, 2-3. to three. And we'll talk about Chattanooga first. That city, by the way, uh, just to give you a little geographical perspective, it's only about uh, – it, it's right on the Georgia border, city of about 200,000. Club was founded in 2019. Uh, they're really interesting. In 2019, they began offering public shares uh, to do some crowdfunding. They wanted to raise a million bucks. They're still trying to get there. They're uh, approaching 900,000. They're the first club to finance this way in the U.S., maybe even in the world, but I'll say the States. Uh, they play at the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga Stadium, by the way, so lots of room there. Uh, they were in the Division Four NPSL until the 2019-2020 season, and they won all but three of the division titles when they played there. Uh, they made the playoff finals four different times, but never won the title. Maybe they can get it done in this league. If so, they might be getting just a little bit of help from a German side, VFL Wolfsburg. They have sort of an affiliation or partnership with them, probably for some youth slash academy stuff. 2021 fall season, they were divided into uh, spring and fall seasons last year. They finished in fifth place. Uh, This year, by finishing in second, they got a bye straight into this round. In the regular season, they had the number one offense by far, scoring kind of close-ish to two goals per match. It's not the highest scoring league in the world. Uh, Number three defense as well, and the number one overall goal differential. The number one score in this league by miles. It'll be interesting to see where he ends up next year. He scored 19 of them. Marcus Nagelsad from Norway plays forward for them. He also finished tied for first place in assists with five. Uh, Played his college ball for Providence. And interestingly, he played for a team over in Norway that uh, not when he was with them, but he helped put together the building blocks for their success. Now, a team called uh, 
<laughs> this is a hard one. Hamarkem Huratine. It's uh, they don't go by the nickname there, but it's usually abbreviated on uh, on American English websites as Ham Cam, and they are now in the first division. Uh, he also played for Hartford Athletic before. Uh, back in 2020 in the USL Championship. So this is a guy with some really good experience. Team's current form, they are unbeaten in their last nine matches and have won three straight. And now your Michigan Stars, an older club founded in 1982. They came over from the NPSL to NISA in 2019-20 as well. I think they actually play at a high school stadium. Maybe it's a really big one, a place called Macomb City. Uh, which I believe is about 30 miles north of Detroit. Uh, they advanced from the first round, in which they had to play, over number six finisher Syracuse Pulse 2-0. In the fall of 2020, uh, which I think was the last time they played, they might have been on a COVID break, uh, they finished in seventh place. Uh, this year, they only had the fifth best offense. They only score a little bit over a goal per match, but they had a top two defense. Uh, despite the fact that they weren't scoring much, they had a guy with a great name on the scoring leaderboard. He got five of them. Vasilios Zogos, uh, center back, 23 years old. I can't remember if he's from Greece or just of Greek heritage. Uh, but uh, back in Greece, I know that he played in uh, for both uh, – yeah, he played for a Division II team over there, and he has played Serie A C-ball over in Italy. Tied for number one assist in the league was Stevan uh, Junkaj, and then they had tied for the best goalkeeper with 11 clean sheets, a guy from Zimbabwe named Tatenda Mkuruva. Team's current form, well, their regular season-ending loss was to Chattanooga, but that was their only loss in their last seven matches. Bring forth... The bonus matches. Now, now the management, I gave you plenty of warning. We're not moving on from just number 10 into the usual bonus matches. This is the Cavalcade Super Episode or whatever name we're coming up for. We've got a bunch more before we get to the three super cool bonus matches. But one of the interesting little things here is we don't have any pre-recorded sounders from Person Noob. So uh, for the moment, at least, I guess I'll do the countdown. Uh, match number 11. <laughs> There we go. She does it so much better. We head to Mexico, Liga MX, where they are having the final. In fact, the second leg of their home and away two-legged tie here for the Apertura stage. Remember, in Mexico and in other places, they divide their soccer year into two little independent stages, opening and closing, Apertura and Clausura. And your finalists are number four from the regular season, Pachuca, taking on number six, Toluca. How did they get here? Well, the top four teams made the quarterfinals, so Pachuca got a little bit of rest. The other eight teams had to play one other round that they're now calling the reclassification stage. And so now here we are. Pachuca won the first leg, by the way, nil five on the road. <laughs> this is beyond a tough road to climb for Pachuca. And when they played at Toluca earlier in the regular season, uh, Pachuca also won one to four. And yet the series overall between these two is uh, perfectly even. 10-7 and 10 records for each. You can catch this at the very specific kickoff time of 9.36 p.m. Eastern on TUDN. First, we'll talk about the hosts, the Gophers. Love that. We're getting a really a whole bunch of good mascots this episode. So appropriate for the Cavalcade. This is a team that was founded by Cornish miners way back when. 
Uh, here in the pro era, they have won seven titles uh, between 1999 and being the defending champions, both from the regular season and the playoffs. Uh, overall, they've also won five uh, CONCACAF Champions League titles. Most recent one was 2016, and they've all been within the last uh, 22 years. Uh, this city, by the way, Pachuca, if you're not familiar, it's about an hour from Mexico City, I believe, to the south, about 300,000 people. It's got a great nickname called uh, La Bella Ariosa. Even though I've researched the team before, I never stumbled across that one. And it means uh, the airy city. It's very windy because of the canyons that are uh, well to the north of the city. It really affects the weather patterns there. They finished, by the way, six points behind number one America. So not too far out, but they definitely belong in the playoffs and at this level. They beat out number five UANL for that last spot, getting a bye into the quarterfinals by three points. And they finished six points ahead of Toluca. They did that largely on the backs of their defense. They weren't giving up even a goal per match. The offense was top four, though, as well. They've got the number one league-leading scorer for the stage. He netted 11 times, did Nicolas Ibanez, their Argentinian forward, who Real Madrid had the rights for for three years in his career, but they mostly loaned him out to Atletico San Luis and then here to this team where he is now on an independent contract. And then tied for number three in assists with five was Calvin Alvarez. I love it when this happens. He plays right back, but he really gets up the field from that defensive position to help out on the offensive side. Just 23 years old. He is, uh, he's been here his whole young career, uh, but I'm not sure how much longer he'll be there. Uh, already Ajax have been uh, showing some interest. That's one of the big three over in the Netherlands, and they're famous for uh, buying up really, really young players and then selling them on. But if Ajax are interested, you can bet some of the top four or five leagues in Europe are as well. And their goalkeeper, they've got a veteran presence back there helping get things done. Tied for second best in clean sheets was Oscar Ustari, Mexican product, 36 years old, who played several years for Getafe early in his career over in Spain. Also with Ameria that's in the top flight right now and Sunderland, famous team over in England that's currently in the championship. Uh, they advanced to the final, by the way, over number B, Monterey, 6-2 on aggregate. I would have picked Monterey all day in that particular quarterfinal. As far as the team's current form, well, they've won four straight, uh, but the really impressive has been their goal differential, 12 against four. Toluca, they have got so much ground to get, gain. It's hard to see them making it up, but the Red Devils are going to try to do exactly that. The city of Toluca, by the way, is about 40 miles southwest of the capital. Pachuca is more to the southeast. Uh, Toluca, uh, the overall metro area has about 2.5 million people, and they probably all love chorizo, the Mexican sausage originated here. They've won 10 league titles. Most recent one was 2010, though. Uh, however, they are historically the third most winningest team in the league's history. They've even won the uh, Champions League twice, although the last time was a while ago, 2003. In the 2021-22 Clausura stage, the last completed stage before this one, they only finished in 15th. So they've managed to make a serious improvement, especially getting this far. Uh, it was hard to predict it, really. They only had the ninth best defense in the league, very average. The offense was a little bit better at number five. Uh, helping them out in that regard, top 10 league score, John uh, Manessis or Mesesis, I can't remember, but he's from Chile, a winger and only five foot four. I'm kind of vertically challenged, so I love seeing guys like that do well.
Uh, number one in the league in assists was Leonardo Fernandez, their Uruguayan attacking midfielder, 23 years old is all. Team's current form, well, before that uh, massive stomping they took in the leg one loss, they had been unbeaten in their last eight. Match number 12. There's my girl back on the countdown duties, and you're just in time for us to traverse to the Great White North, the Premier League final in Canada. Yes, you might say it, Canada. Get your own darn show. We like it this way. The top four of the eight teams from this league made the playoffs. Uh, last year, the league champion got to go to the CONCACAF League. All of that is being reworked by CONCACAF. Not sure what it'll look like. The only way to get a direct berth, at least in the past, to the CONCACAF Champions League was to win the nation's Canadian championship, the FA Cup, which includes the Major League Soccer teams, three of them, and it's always one of those that wins it, it seems. You can watch this particular final on Fox Soccer Plus, 6 p.m. Eastern time between number one, Atletico Ottawa, and number B from the regular season, Forge FC, your established power in the league. But Ottawa won it this year by two points. They've already played four times. Forge won nil four on the road. Uh, they each earned one one draws at each other's place, and Ottawa won once on the road, nil one. So kind of interesting that e neither team was able to get a home win. By the way, that second draw at Forge, that was the last match for these two of the regular season. As I mentioned, Forge, uh, they're the kings. you got to knock the crown off their head. They've got a 7-2-1 record against Ottawa in their brief series. And Ottawa, though, are the moderate favorites as the number one seed. They are an incredibly young club, founded just two years ago by Atletico Madrid, hence their otherwise strange-seeming name, Atletico Ottawa. Now, they're used to having some fairly big-time soccer there. 2014 through 19, they had a club called the Ottawa Fury that played in the USL Championship most recently. This year, they went to from worst to first, and they did it on the defensive side of the ball. They advanced to the final over number four, Pacific FC, 3-1. to one. This year, they had a top-two defense to go with a a barely average offense, to be honest, but it's not a very high-scoring league, so the defense really helped set them apart. They had the player of the year in Ollie Bassett from England, a 24-year-old attacking midfielder. He had nine assists. That was tied for best in the league in that regard, and he was also well up the scoring leaderboard with eight goals. Uh, tied for number two in clean sheets in the league. Whoops! <laughs> Tied for number B. Sorry, person who, sorry, everyone. I should wash my mouth. That was so. Nathan Ingham is our guy. Carlos Gonzalez, by the way, want to send congratulations to him as well. He was coach of the year. Now, again, still carrying the crown for Jeff C. out of Hamilton, Ontario. Uh, that township is about a half hour from downtown Ontario. I say township, and that's not really the right word. It's got maybe 600,000 people there, and they are known as the Hammers, not just because of the name Hamilton, but because of all the steel and metal works that helped up build up that area of the metro. The club was founded in 2017. They advanced to this final over number three, Cavalry FC, winning 3-2 to two on aggregate over their home and away series. The team has won the playoff title and overall championship twice, 2019 and 2020. Last year, they got to play in the CONCACAF Champions League after a really nice run in the feeder tournament CONCACAF League and made it all the way to the quarterfinals. I believe they're the first ever Canadian team to compete in the CCL. Last year, they won the regular season, finished second best in the playoffs. 
this year, they may have finished second place in the standings, but check out the stats. Number one in the offensive category by a lot, getting one and two-third goals per match. And then they were the only club that actually let in less than one goal per match. Overall, that was good for them having a goal differential by a factor of over three. I think given that they're underdogs, that this might be a smart bet for some folks. Although I don't have Noobstradamus involved this time. Tied for number three in league scoring is a guy who might have the best name on this podcast other than uh, that other guy, Zogos from Greece that we talked about earlier. Wubens Pasius. I know he's of Asian, Haitian descent. Forward, 21 years old. And then tied for second best in assist in the league, Tristan Borgia. Midfielder, 24 years old, who actually came up with Major League Soccer's Toronto franchise and then did some playing over in the Netherlands. Uh, helped, he came up with a club there called Heerenveen. And then tied for number one in clean sheets was goalkeeper Tristan Henry. Can't wait to see how this one turns out. And now it's time for Jokes, Jokes in, in the, the Jelly Jar. jar. Jokes in the jelly jar. Jokes in the jelly. Hey, I think you're kind of smelly. No. Jokes in the jelly jar. Why would I smell? I took my monthly shower. What? <laughs> All right, person noob. I just saw two identical twins dressed up for Halloween. I couldn't tell which was which. I get it. Okay, you're going to do one of these segments again where you try to not laugh, correct? You look like you're trying hard. All right. What did the two termites order at the restaurant? Hmm. Table for two, please. I get it. Again, not <laughs> laughing. Not laughing is not funny or not laughing because you're good at not laughing? I'm good at not laughing. Good job. Why did the mouse need oil? Why? I'll bet you could have guessed this one. He had a little squeak. Uh, what vegetable should you never bring on a boat? I don't know. A leek. Have you ever even heard of a leek? I no. think it's kind of onionish. All right. What do you call a Christmas tree that knows karate? Huh. Spruce Lee. Hmm. I'm not sure you're, you're you're nodding like, oh, I get that, and I'm not laughing. Do you do you know who Bruce Lee is? No. The famous martial artist from movies from a long time ago. Okay, anyway, let's try once more. That's maybe in your uh, wheelhouse. Hey, uh, what's what's my wife, your mom's favorite state? Hmm. I don't know. Alaska. I get it. <laughs> Should we do any more? Alaska? I'll ask her. One more. One more. Okay. Uh, I accidentally took our cat's medicine last night. Don't ask me how. That sounds very concerning. Your cat shouldn't have medicine. That was jokes in the jelly. I think I'm quite a felly. Jokes from the jelly jar. Match number 13. Halloween season at number 13. But you know what? Uh, No tricks of decophobia going on here for the Venezuelan finalists. In the Primera Division, they have reached the final. By the way, this is not one of the stronger leagues in South America, but we don't care. We go everywhere. Uh, They're ranked number nine out of the 10 member countries down there, per kick algorithms, only ahead of Peru. Uh, There's no Champions League or Copa Libertadores berth on the line this particular time. Both teams have already qualified for that next year, and we'll get to start in the group stage just by finishing in the top two in the second stage of the two-stage season. 
Uh, the format for the stage, the regular season was a double round robin, and then the top four just played their own little double round robin but didn't have any points carryover. Kind of interesting. Your finalists, number one, Metropolitanos, taking on number B, Managas. Uh, they split the series, both winning nil-two at home in the final phase. I didn't look at their regular season ones. Uh, Metropolitan, uh, by virtue, I believe, of having the overall best aggregate record on the year, they get to play host. They're not doing this at a neutral side. Series between the two, though, Monagas have had the far better of it with an 8-4-4 four, four record in recent seasons. Metropolitanos, this is a fairly young club for that area, just over a decade old, and they were promoted to Division One for the first time in just 2013. They play out of the city of Caracas. Last year, they finished in seventh place overall, so this is a big step up for them. In that final phase that I mentioned, they went 2-3-1. and one. Uh, <laughs> They must have just parked the bus in front of the net and not tried to score. It was only 3-2 to two on the goal differential for those six matches. Uh, they finished in second place in the first phase of the season. Uh, they lost to Zamora there by two, but five points ahead of number three, Monagas. Statistically, very well balanced. Top four offense. Top four defense, good for the second best overall goal differential. And they've got top 10 score on their side. He got nine in the back of the net. Charles Ortiz, forward 36-year-old. I think I'm saying that right. C-H-A-R-S, or excuse me, C-H-R-L-I-S. Never seen that one before. Anyway, the team has, uh, as far as their current form, two straight wins. And that was then followed by three nil-nil draws and then a nil-two uh, loss to Monagas. So kind of a strange sequence for them. You wonder if they're losing uh, losing some steam. Monagas are certainly hoping so. They are known as the Warriors, and they've got a really cool crest. Uh, the center of it has a, uh, a female angelic form, and she's got her back arm holding up a, a sword really, really high, then her front arm is sort of up like it's uh, blocking the sun. It's just gorgeous. By the way, Monagas is not the same name of the city. That is the name of the state they play in. They play out of the city of Maturin, which is a big oil city in the northeast part of the country, 400,000 people strong. Uh, in the mid-2000s, Barcelona actually tried to get them to uh, change their crest, I believe due to the colors being so similar or something, but uh, obviously, that didn't really work out. One league title to their credit, 2017 Apertura is the only stage title they've won. They went to the Copa Libertadores and made the group stage the next year in their only appearance. So, boy, what a big deal it would be for them to win the national title. Last year, they finished in third place overall. This year, in the final phase with the top four, they went 2-2-2 two, two, and two with an 8-8 eight eight goal differential. Uh, they had a tie for the number one offense, not a really high scoring league, uh, a little bit over one and a half per match. Uh, defense was a little bit above average, but not great. Uh, tie for number score four in scoring in the overall league on the year was Aquiles Ocanto, veteran 33-year-old forward. He made one national team appearance for Venezuela back in 2015. Kind of fun. Team's current form, 2-1-0 in their last three. And according to the research I did, there may be uh, three to two favorites on this match. But I got to be honest, I would go with Metropolitanos as the home team here. Match number 14. Is this our first time back to Asia since match number one when we were at Jordan? Well, regardless, I'm pretty sure that this is our first time to the Far East this particular episode. We're going to pay a visit to South Korea's FA Cup, where they have reached the finals, specifically the second match of the home-and-away two-legged tie 
At stake is an AFC Champions League group stage berth. John Book versus FC Seoul is your matchup. They played to a 2-2 draw in Seoul. John Book is one of the two major powers in this league in recent years. And in those seasons, they have accrued a 23-13-9 record. They padded that a little bit this year, winning on the road against Seoul nil one and then also getting a 1-1 draw at home. Jean Bouc, that is also the name of the city. It's in the east central part of the country. Uh, the full name of the club is really Jean Bouc Hyundai. And uh, so obviously the automotive industry plays a huge part in this area. But it's not the only thing the area is famous for. If you were to visit South Korea and you're a foodie, this is where you either want to start or where you want to finish. It is one of the most uh, gastronomically famous places in the country and perhaps even all of uh, Eastern Asia. They just finished the top flight, the K-League 1 over there, and they finished in second place. They had won five straight league titles before that, so they'd like to lift a domestic trophy, believe you me. Uh, still, they did earn a Champions League qualifying round berth, so they have a little bit of a game they can make here. If they win, they'll get to go straight to the group stage. If they are the winners, league number four finner Incheon United will get the Champions League uh, qualification stage berth that would have otherwise gone to John Book. This is a team that has won the FA Cup title four different times, most recently two years ago. Uh, perhaps more impressively, they have won the Continent's Champions League twice as recently as 2016. Interesting side note for them, 2016, uh, rather 2006, was the first and only other time that they won the title, and it was the first time that a major international competition had been won by a club that has had not ever in their history won their domestic title. They must have finished second or third in the league that year. They advanced to this year's final by beating up on their uh, uh, main rival domestically, Ulsan Hyundai. Uh, well, I shouldn't say they beat up on them. They beat them one to two and added extra time, but still a very impressive and important important victory for them as they finished behind them in the league and in the offensive defensive categories. Jean Bouc was second best in those regards. By the way, I think this is the third best league in all of Asia, according to their own coefficients. Tied for number one in league scoring with 17 was Gui Sung Cho, plays a center forward for them, 24 years old. And then tied for number four in assists from Gambia, Modu Barrow. He had uh, eight and plays left winger for them. Uh, English footy fans might recognize his name. He played for Swansea City back in the mid-2010s when I believe they were in the actual Premier League as opposed to right now. And then number one in clean sheets in the league with 12 was Bum Kyun Song. He's been here his entire career, which I believe is at least six years, maybe longer. He's made 200 appearances for the club. Team's current form, well, that leg one draw snapped a three-match winning streak for them. And now FC Seoul, they were founded in 1984 as Lucky Gold Star FC, which sounds a little bit silly until you realize at least part of it came from their uh, corporate owners, who I believe still own them today. Gold Star, uh, it's one of the biggest, is it pronounced Chabon, C-H-A-B-O-N, uh, one of the big, four big conglomerates business-wise over in South Korea. They've won, the six, uh, they've won the league title six times, most recently 2016. Four of them have been this century. Twice they've won this event's title, most recently 2015. They've never won the Champions League, unlike Giambuk, but they have finished second best twice, most recently in 2013. Their last international appearance was in 2020, got to go to the CL, and made the group stage. 
this year. They only finished in ninth place in the league. Only one uh, ordinal spot in two points ahead of the best team in the relegation playout zone. So this was a team that almost got kicked right back out of the league. Wow. Uh, the offense was their biggest problem. They only finished 11th best in that regard. The defense was a little bit above average for the league. Uh, top 10 on assists, probably what, well, certainly one of their best players, maybe their best, uh, his seven assists, Cho Young Woo, 23-year-old forward. I think their most valuable player is probably Osmar Barba, their Spanish center back veteran, 34 years old. Uh, he's spent almost his entire career in the Far East and Southeast Asia. Uh, he doesn't offer anything offensively for you. He knows what his duties are as a center back. Uh, really accurate passer. Great tackler, and then just racks up the clearances of the headers. He's as physical as you want out of a defender. By the way, they advanced to this final over league number eight, Daegu FC, in added extra time. Team's current form, 1 1 and 1 in their last three. Match 15. Normally, about three quarters of the way through broadcast is when we take our culture break, which is usually our food break, because noob gets hungry after a while. And that has certainly been the case this show being as is basically going double length. So I'm in the mood for a recipe. How about you? Now I'll tell you that the designated match for number 15 is the FA cup final in Uzbekistan. So we're staying in Asia still on Sunday, but we're moving more to the central part of the continent. There is a champions league berth officially at stake, but this is a great time for us to take a break because both Nasaf and Navbahor, your finalists have already qualified for the champions league based on where they finished in league. So instead let's enjoy a little music from the region and talk about a dish called plov, or palov, P-A-L-O-V. And if that sounds similar to pilaf, that is not a coincidence. But unlike, say, if you order rice pilaf at a restaurant here, oh, say in the America, I'm guessing most parts in the West, you're basically getting long grain rice, you know, maybe a little something extra in there, you know, as far as uh, spices. It's a completely different deal in Central Asia. Traditionally, plov is best made with lamb, although you can substitute beef. But lamb is a richer taste and more savory, more fatty, particularly if you're using the sirloin chop. The marrow from the bone, by the way, adds a wonderful fatty flavor, and that's the reason that you want to use that one. And then here's a little hot tip I read about. If you have the time, salt the meat overnight. Season it on both sides, pop it in a bowl, cover it with plastic. Uh, that only not will, that will not only infuse the flavor of the salt into the meat, it will actually help tenderize it as well. Now, plov is not purely native to Uzbekistan, but the way they make it makes it the national dish. Uh, here's how you're going to do it. You're going to prep your lamb, hopefully, maybe beef, and your veggies. You're going to cube it and then slice carrots, dice the onions that you're going to have on hand. And then ideally, you want to brown the meat. And in a preheated Dutch oven, this is the only way to do this uh, you know, property here, properly here in modern times. You must have a Dutch oven, otherwise you're not being authentic. Use your tongs to brown the sides of the meat. Cook the vegetables, add onions and carrots to the Dutch oven, saute them until the onions so you can almost see through them. Then you're gonna add your rice and your seasoning. Uh, much like with any traditional pilaf, you're gonna use a long grain rice. You wanna use bay leaves, add those to the Dutch oven and stir them till everything is evenly distributed. Toasting the rice just slightly. It's kind of hard to overcook this. 
Now, the other key thing to make this in the truly Uzbek fashion is you're going to add garlic. But I don't mean some garlic powder or some garlic salt. Get a garlic plant, a bulb, lop the head off of it, and then stick the entire thing inside the Dutch oven. Don't break it into pieces, slice it, anything. Add water to it, season it generously with even more salt and pepper. Cook and cover. Uh, you're gonna bring it to a simmer in there, then turn the heat down on low, pop the lid on, and then you cook it for an additional 40 to 55 minutes after that original um, simmering period. When you serve it, again, to be extra authentic, and that's what we're looking for, serve it warm, not steaming hot, and alongside pickled veggies or a salad, preferably a, a cabbage salad. <sighs> Old Noob has been a little bit under the weather, so lamb sounds a little bit too fatty for me, but I am definitely going to go and get the ingredients to make this sometime, and I hope that you will be moved too as well. Match 16. Our last weekend match comes to us from Argentina. It's yet another FA Cup final. It's going to be played at a neutral site, the city of Mendoza. Teams from five different tiers participate in this particular competition. The winner will get to play in the next Copa Libertadores group stage automatically. And you can catch this final on something called TYC International USA. I want to love you, TYC. Uh, it doesn't stand for pretty young thing. It was uh, uh, PAS, pretty awful singing. I thought it wasn't going to get scarier than Baby Shark. Maybe it just did. Uh, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time in the U.S. This is where I should really start over and just you know, redo things as I often do. But I think I'll leave this one alone. Your matchup is uh, Tayeres versus Patronato. Uh, the series between these two in recent years, pretty even. Tyarius have had a 4-3-3 three, three slight advantage. And they are your heavy favorites to win this particular trophy. They are known as the tagliatelle, which is an Italian ribbon-shaped pasta. Didn't really ever learn why in all my research. Obviously, there's some Italian uh, immigration involved, probably in the founding of the club. But that name, Tayeres, actually means workshops. So this is a blue-collar team. They play out of the city of Cordoba, which is the second biggest one in the country, north-central area, over one and a half million people in the metro. And it is the tech center of the country. A lot of cars get manufactured, but not just that kind of stuff. They also do a lot of space-related manufacturing, like satellite production. They haven't been in the top flight at least this time all that long. They won the Primera B, the second division title, in 2016. Uh, they have won, uh, or rather they have made three different Copa Libertadores, Copa Libertadores appearances. Most recent one was 2019. Here in this event, they advanced to the final over number 14 league finishers, Independiente, 4-2 on penalty kicks after a nil-nil draw. They are really defensively oriented, only having allowed one goal in their five event matches. Uh, the league season just ended a few days ago, and they finished 13th out of the uh, whopping 28 number of teams. All the teams from last year stayed in, and they invited the uh, best two teams from the second division to also play. Anyway, uh, tied for number 15 on offense, scoring just over one goal per match was all. The defense in league play was spot on average and their goal differential a little bit below average. So they are surprise participants here. Tied for number three in league assists was their attacking midfielder, 24-year-old Rodrigo Garo. But I think the best player that they probably have going is their center back, Matlas 
Catalan. Two goals, one assist, so he can get up the field a little bit. Usually it's for counterattacks. He's a really good dribbler, although his defensive uh, – capabilities were not to be forgotten. He made over 100 clearances on the league season. That's a ton. Liga MX fans, yes, this is the guy you remember. He played for Atletico San Luis and Pachuca. Team's current form coming into this final, they are 3-1-0 in their last four. And now Patronato. They play out of uh, the provincial capital of the northeast of Paraná, which is only about a quarter of a million uh, people uh, part of the reason for that, it sounds like a small city to have such a good team, but really it's part of an overall metro area. Uh, on the other side of the uh, river that they're on is the city of Santa Fe. So overall, it's a really important river port and a production area. They make a lot of cement, ceramics, and furniture here. It's easy for them to ship that stuff out because of being a river port. Now, there's a little bit of a question in my mind. I tried to do some research on this. Uh, on the multi-year table, they just finished in second to last place and got relegated. So there is a chance that because of that, that they will not get to participate in the Copa Libertadores. There might have been a rule or at least discussion of a rule, but I can't find any evidence of it that they put it into place. So I believe if they hoist a trophy this Sunday that they will get to play in that. Just don't be stunned if it's not. I'll do a little bit more research, try to find it for the recap next week. Uh, a lot of their history, in fact, as recently as the late 2000s, this was a team that was playing down in like the third division and the fourth division. So this is a rare treat for them being up this high. They advanced to this final over league champions, Boca Juniors. It took them penalty kicks three to two after a 1-1 draw after the first 90 plus minutes. And they had to beat number three finishers, River Plate, uh, in a previous round before getting here. So they have had a really tough road to hoe on their way to the final. They finished just 10th place in the league overall. Uh, they had uh, tied, they tied for number 10 on offense, not getting much over a goal per match. So you can really look for a low-scoring final here. Their uh, defense was just as average as was the goal differential. Not so average was their best player, another center back, Carlos Quintana, uh, he actually played for Tyres as recently as three years ago. Great tackler, made over 100 clearances on the season, and this team has won four straight coming into the match. Match 17. Okay, how many more of these do I have to do? By the time all is said and done, we'll have hit 21 non-bonus matches, and yet, and you deserve it, New Bites, after a weekend like that. We don't have any selected for Monday or Tuesday. None of them were quite shiny enough to make even our final cut of 21 because those are not big trophy match days. And that's just about all we've been dealing with. So let's bounce ahead to Wednesday. Not a trophy match, but from the most important club tournament in the world, almost certainly the UEFA Champions League. It is time for the last round of matches in the group stage. A reminder that the groups of four will each send their top two to the knockout round and the number three finishers in each group will down to the secondary tournament, the Europa League. Tons of great matchups, lots at stake. The most intriguing one to me, and part of the reason I'll admit that I picked this, is because it's probably not being picked as one of the great matches to watch by other podcasts, but there's a lot at stake here. Uh, number four, uh, Maccabi Haifa from Israel's Premier League are taking on one of the Portuguese giants, currently second place in their group table, Benfica. Uh, Haifa, they, they are tied with number three Juventus on points. So here's how things look. If Juventus 
can win versus PSG from out of France, then Haifa will have to make up six goal differential. So Maccabi Haifa could get to the Europa League, climb up to third place with a draw plus a Juventus loss or a win and a Juventus draw or loss. Meanwhile, Benfica are tied with PSG on points and they trail them by four on goal differential. So it's, things are a little bit clearer for Benfica. Now, earlier this stage when it was played in Portugal, Benfica won two to nothing. So first and second place in this group are established, Benfica and PSG. Third and fourth place are established. It's just a question of how the finish is going to go between each of those two pairs. You can catch this one on Paramount Plus, as you can so many of the Champions League matches. Uh, This one at 4 p.m. Eastern time for the Wednesday. Maccabi Haifa. Haifa is a city on the northwest coast, about 300,000. It's the third largest city. And something interesting I found out that I wasn't too previously aware of, the Baha'i Faith World Center is headquartered here. You always think Judaism when it comes to Israel, but that's not the only thing going on spiritually. Also, this is the industrial center of the city. There is a, uh, or the country rather, there's a uh, phrase in Israel that uh, Haifa works Jerusalem praise and Tel Aviv plays. That's the big touristy one. So this is your blue-collar city and club. By the way, the Premier League is ranked number 21 out of all the UEFA leagues, this one from Israel. And so they had to enter furthest back of any of the remaining teams. So basically, this is your lowest seed. They've been playing since all the way back at the second qualifying round. They had to defeat three teams just to get to the group stage. Uh, In this group, they've got the worst offense and defense, to be perfectly honest. Uh, They basically score one goal per match, and they're giving up three. But it's a really tough group. Uh, They are the two-time defending champions in Israel and historically have won 14 league titles. This is the third time that they have made the Champions League group stage. They've never gotten farther. They've had a little bit more success in the Europa League. They made the round of 16 best they've ever done back in 2006-07. Last year, they made a group stage, but it was not of either of the top two tournaments. It was of the fairly new Europa Conference League. Here in the 2022-23 Israeli Premier League, they are number one after 10 matches. There are really four good teams, at least this year, and right now they're topping them all. Uh, That said, uh, Maccabi Tel Aviv are probably the best of them. they're just smoking on a goal differential. Everybody else is pretty even. Tel Aviv are still my favorites to win that league. Anyway, they've got the third best offense scoring almost two goals per match and the number three defense going in the league. And I really love well-balanced teams. Not sure it's going to be enough even at home against Benfica, but we shall see. Number one league scorer that the Portuguese side is going to have to look to cut down. Uh, He's got six on the league season so far is Omer Atzili, attacking midfielder. Uh, He is is of Ashkenazi, which is Romanian Jewish descent, and Israeli born. Uh, Granada over in Spain, sort of a yo-yo club between the top two flights. It's probably the biggest club he's ever played for. Now, if you're a uh, European footy fan specifically, unfortunately, this guy's most famous time in the news was because in 2016, he and I believe another teammate were both charged with having, uh, in case any person whose friends are listening, I'll just say, uh, intimate or special relations with 16 years old. Now, originally, these charges were dismissed because they said that they had proof that the girls hid their real ages. But two years later, uh, there was proof that came out that at least one of these two, this guy, knew. And he has since apologized for his behavior. Funny how he's still getting to play top-flight football even after that. Yuck. 
Oh, we also have in better news, a USA connection here. Josh Cohen plays goalkeeper for them. He was your 2021 player of the year from this league. He does have some uh, experience from here back home. He played for Orange County and Phoenix Rising, both of the USL championship. And in 2014, he even had a trial with the Philadelphia Union. But he's really made his home over in Israel. He might have been the player of the year last year, too. In any case, the team's current form, they are 4-0-1 in their last five. Uh, and that one loss, you can hardly blame them. That was against French Giants PSG here in this club. They got smacked uh, in Paris 7-2. And now Benfica looking to make the Europa League. Uh, they qualified as this year's, or last year's rather, number three league finisher and entered the event at the third qualifying round. Uh, they haven't lost any uh, matches in the group stage, but they've got a 10-6 and six goal differential. They've been getting a lot of draws, I believe. On the event scoring leaderboard with three is Rafa Silva, their Portuguese attacking midfielder. He's made two dozen appearances, by the way, for his uh, national team, but he retired from that last year. Nice veteran presence to have for an event like this. In 2022-23 league play, uh, they are number one by eight points already and are undefeated. They are on fire and they are going to give Haifa all kinds of fits, I think. They've got the best offense going in Portugal and defense scoring over two and a half per match and giving up unbelievably less than a goal per game every other match, uh, giving them combined the uh, number one goal differential by over 50% in that league. And I'm surprised it's not an even greater factor, to be honest. Number one league score to look out for them is Gonzalo Ramos. Uh, he's already got seven goals on the moderately young European season, 21-year-old forward. He is so fun to watch. If you are, This is hard for me as a, as a noob, not just a character. It is my life. But he is known for being excellent off the ball. And part of the reason that he moves so well is because he plays so many positions. He, he is all over the place on the field. And so you really have to find him and then keep your eye open, uh, eyes open for him every so often. Uh, even as a striker, when he plays there, he tends to start his attacks from very deep in the box. And that gives him a lot of chances to get assists involved his teammates as well. There's a pretty good chance he's going to be moving to Manchester United. They have scored, they have expressed rather a lot of interest in him. And basically the manager has all but said that he's going to be the replacement for Cristiano Ronaldo when they have him hit the highway next year. Uh, Bayern Munich were chasing him as well, but they've uh, formally dropped out of the running. Also, another key guy to look for is their Danish right back, a 24-year-old named Alexander Ba. He's actually tied for second best in assists on the year. Uh, he also plays some right wing, which was what allows him to uh, get those assists. And he specializes on pinpoint passing and breaking down deep blocks. And if you don't think that the Israelis are going to try to shut this game down and not allow any goals, they they'd probably be fine with a you know all but a nil nil draw. Maybe his hope to score obviously one goal on a counter attack. This team also has the number one goalkeeper in the league, by the way, with eight clean sheets. Another great name, our third one of this show, Odysseus Vlakodimos. He came up with Stuttgart over in Germany. But and I'm going to mention another player. This team is just chock full of great young guys. 
The most valuable player that they might have going is on the left side of their defense, a Spanish left back named Alex Grimaldo. He's got a goal and an assist. He's very offensively minded in general, is a great dribbler, passer, and in fact, just kind of an okay tackler. It would almost be fair to call him more of a defensive midfielder if he probably played in the center instead of on one of the wings. This team's current form, they have had four draws since July and won all of their other matches. Match 18, are we done yet? We've mentioned it a couple of times this show, and this time we actually get a look at a match from it. It is the second leg of the two-legged home-and-away final in the CONCACAF League, that feeder tournament for the CONCACAF Champions League. You can catch this, by the way, at 10 o'clock Eastern Time U.S. on TUDN. Now, these two teams have already qualified for the Champions League because the top six finishers from this event all get to move on to that. Nevertheless, your final, it is Alajuelense out of Costa Rica taking on CD Olympia. Uh, Olympia won the first leg 3-2. to two. And we will talk about Alajuelense first, though, even though uh, I'm a Saprisa fan when it comes to Costa Rica, a different club. They're one of the big powers. This one, don't like them because they're the Lions. Now, if they would switch back to their old mascot, that would be great. I want to say they had it up until the 1980s, might have been 60s. I didn't make a note of it. But this is or used to be nicknamed the City of Mangoes, and their actual club mascot was a mango. And mangoes be delicious mango flavored things can run a little sweet mangoes are awesome they're a little culinary opinion bit from your old friend noob <laughs> the city has about 50,000 people it's in the central part of the country it's a big agricultural area being in what is called the central valley there but they are getting a lot of investment in newer industry especially medical devices kind of interesting uh, the Liga FPV the top flight in this country is now the fourth point ranked CONCACAF league. According to uh, kick algorithms, they've gotten taken over by, uh, surpassed by Honduras in this website's coefficients, which is really something because for as long as I've been following footy, which admittedly isn't perhaps as long as uh, most people who are fans of the game, it's been the other way around, but Honduras has really been on the rise. Uh, they sent three teams to the CONCACAF League because they're rated so highly. They won the now Champions League twice. Most recent time was 2004. It always had a different name back then. Last year, they made the round of 16, and that was their first appearance in six years. Uh, as far as this event, they played in it last year but fell out in the very first round. They won it two years ago, 2020. They qualified for this year's iteration as the best non-stage champion, so basically the third seed out of Costa Rica, and therefore had to start all the way back in the preliminary round. They advanced to this final by beating a different Honduran team, Alianza, 5-2 to two on aggregate. And they get to host the second leg of this event, gives them sort of the home team advantage overall, because they had uh, the better overall goal differential, I believe, on the year. 2022-23 season, the Apertura stage, they are currently in third place. Well balanced, but you know, slipping a little bit compared to what I'm used to normally seeing from them. Uh, a very average offense and a top four defense. They're giving up just over a goal per match. So they'll probably try to control the pace, keep it a little low scoring. But if they do do some scoring, a pretty good idea to have is that Freddy Gondola is going to do it. He is tied for number three in league scoring. He's a Panamanian attacker for them. 
And then in event scoring, two other guys to look for, Dorian Rodriguez, a guy with whom I have no familiarity, and somebody then who we might all be a little bit familiar with as American soccer fans, Johan Benegas. Yeah, he played for uh, Minnesota United and what is now Club de Foot Montreal. Team's current form, they've been slipping a little bit. They're 0-2-2 in their last four. Coming to town looking to take advantage is CD Olympia. They qualified as the Apertura champs from their league last year. Uh, they advanced to this final over a different team there from their home league, Matagua, in the semifinal. On the event scoring leaderboard with three for this event, uh, Michael Kirinos. I think it's a hard CH. He plays winger for them. He's been here his whole career, uh, except for that he uh, was once loaned out to uh, a former Mexican top flight team called BUAP and then once to the Vancouver Whitecaps. I think he made a handful of appearances for them. 2022-23 Apertura season. They're currently in second place, and that stage is almost done. Their offense, uh, it is not bueno. They are number eight in that regard, near the bottom of the league, not scoring a lot over one per goal. But they have been all defensively oriented, uh, giving up less than a goal every other match. I think that's the second time in the row we've seen that stat, and yet I'm not sure I'd ever seen it for any other episode. Just Heavy defense. Wow. Top five in the league on scoring is that guy, Michael Carinos, that we mentioned. Also, their veteran star, Jerry Bankston, 35 years old, who played for the New England Revolution in MLS from 2012 through 14. Team's current form, uh, that leg one win for this final snapped a three-match winless streak, of which the last two of those were nil-nil draws. Match number 19. It's the time of year for a lot of FA Cups in South America, and we're going to hit us another one. It's the final in Colombia, and it is going to be the second match of their home-and-away two-legged tie. In this event, only teams from the top two leagues got to participate. And the champions, or rather, I was going to say Champions League, but there it's called the Copa Libertadores berth, is at stake. It's easy for me to get those mixed up because I abbreviate them both, of course, CL in my notes. Your matchup is Melanarios taking on Atletico Juniors. Juniors won the first leg 1-0. Their league season just finished, and both of these teams only finished high enough to be in positions to qualify for the Copa Sudamericana. So there's a lot of money and prestige at stake trying to win this trophy and therefore get into the Libertadores. We'll talk about Melanarios. First, they are known as the Blue Ballet. Isn't that so much better than Lions or something? They play out of the capital city of Bogota, and they have won the league title 15 different times, most recently 2017. That's only the second time they've won it this century. Uh, They've won this event twice, by the way. Uh, Most recent time was 2011. They're used to being in the Copa Libertadores as a club, but not these particular players. They finished uh, runners-up four different times, but they were all in the 1960s and 70s. Now, they have made three different appearances this century, but not since 2018. They didn't get any further than the group stage. In the group, in not the group stage, but in the finalization, which is their version of the Clausura stage, the second stage of the twenty one of twenty twenty two season, they only finished in eighth place, despite the fact that they were tied for number one overall in goal differential. It was just a weird statistical league to look at the whole rundown. Uh, they had tied for uh, the third best offense, tied for the fourth best defense, not even giving up a goal per match. 
and yet eighth place. So bizarre. Best player on this team, probably Juan Pereira, homegrown midfielder with three goals and one assist on the stage. Very accurate shooter, and you couldn't ask for much more from him from a passing accuracy standpoint. 90%, just incredible. Team's current form, they lost three straight in league play and are winless in their last seven. So not peaking at the right time, uh, yet they've been winning their FA Cup matches. So now we're going to do, oh no, I just realized what's going to happen here. Oh gosh. Atletico Jr., I had forgotten when I did this. Their nickname is the Sharks. Go ahead, hit it again, the management. Juniors, Sharks, kind of like babies. All right. Out of our system one more time. They play out of the city of Barranquilla, which is the largest city in the Caribbean coastal region in the north part of the country, about one and a quarter million people. 90 years ago, this was actually one of the most modern cities in South America. But talk about just what political corruption can do. Uh, a few, obviously, individuals profited, but the way they ran that city, it absolutely drove foreign investment in a way which was vital. And it is not now nearly the city that it was. Uh, they've won the league title nine different times. The most recent one was 2019. They've won this event twice, both in the mid-2010s. Uh, 2018, in the Copa Sudamericana, they had a great run, finishing in second place. Uh, they've been as far as the semifinal in the Copa Libertadores, but you got to go all the way back to 1994 for that. Uh, they finished the 2022 finalization stage in 11th place, even, even worse than their opponents today. They were barely scoring over a goal per match. Uh, defense was pretty average scoring, not scoring, but conceding a goal per match. Their goal differential, though, at least was a little bit closer to where they actually finished. Tied for seventh. I think I really think Millenarios are going to take this one, despite the fact that they've been on a pretty poor streak outside of this event. Best player the juniors have going is Larry Vasquez. Plays midfielder for them. No goals, just one assist, uh, one assist but he too is nearly a 90% passer, and he is outstanding at getting both the ball out of trouble and starting counterattacks. Excellent with his dribbling. Team's current form, 1-1-1 one, one, and one in their last three. Match number 20. And now on to the last day of our soccer week, Thursday for the show, although not our last match quite yet. Number 20 takes us to the Europa League, the second best of the international club tournaments in Europe, where just like in the Champions League, they are going to be playing the last matches of their group stage now. This event, too, has been divided into groups of four. Uh, the winners get to move on to the knockout round. The second best finishers move on to a playoff round. So only half of your group stage uh, number B finishers will actually get to play in the bracketed round of things. And the number three finishers will drop down to the tertiary tournament, Europa Conference League. You can catch this one on Paramount Plus, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here in the States. Number three in their group table, Roma out of Italy, taking on number B, Ludogorets Razgrad. Uh, these two are tied on points. Neither of them can uh, win the group or finish in last place. So this is a really key matchup. Uh, by the way, when they played earlier this group stage, uh, Razgrad won 3-0. But we're going to talk about Roma first since they're the home team. One of their nicknames is the She-Wolf in homage to the mythological founding of the city. Uh, they won the Europa Conference League last year, so automatically qualified for this year's event. 
2017-18, they played in the Champions League and got all the way to the semifinal. 2018-19, they made the round of 16. Don't think they've ever made a final before. 2020-21, they also played in this event and made the semifinal. Uh, they qualified officially, not just by winning last year, but they would have any other way. They finished in sixth place in Serie A in Italy. By the way, that league is ranked number three in all of Europe currently. Here in the group stage, uh, after four matches, 2-1-1 one, one with an 8-6 and six goal differential, tied for third best in Event uh, tied for third best in assists for the event is one of their stars, their midfielder Lorenzo Pellegrini. He is known for his exceptional stamina, ball control, and he loves to shoot from distance. So if he's on the edge of the box, don't be don't be surprised to see him let it fly. Here in the 2022-2023 Serie A, they are currently in seventh place. And whether he's shooting from distance or anywhere else, they need Pellegrini or somebody to start finding the back of the darn net. They're only tied for 12th in that statistic, scoring less than a goal per match. How are they in seventh place? Oh, I see how. They've got a top five defense, giving up less than one goal per average. I think they're going to have to shore up their uh, offense, though, to... Uh, in order to qualify for any international competition next year. Their best player, and believe it or not, they do have a top 10 league scorer this year uh, with five on the season, is Paulo Dybala. He's an Argentinian forward and another guy who likes to shoot it from distance. They don't do a lot of goal poaching on this team. They like to shoot it as soon as they can see the white of the goalkeeper's eyes pretty much. Well, that's not quite the right phrase, but you know what I mean. In any event, team's current form, 3-1-1 one, one in their last four across all competitions. And now we'll talk about Ludogorets uh, Razgrad. They play out of Bulgaria. They are the Eagles, play out of the city of Razgrad. The region is called Ludogory. And so that's where you get the combination of the geographic areas for the club name. The city's in the northeast part of the country, only about 30,000 people. And by the way, the Bulgarian First League is ranked just barely above average in all of Europe. It's only the number 24 ranked league, so it's wonderful that their champion has gotten this far. They've won every single league title since joining the top division back in the 2011-2012 season. They've been to the Champions League group stage twice before, so this is not new territory for them, but they did last do it just in 2016-17. 2013-14, they had their best ever international finish with a round of 16 appearance in the Europa League. Uh, they entered this event at the playoff round after losing in the Champions League, by the way. A 2-1-2 after their five matches with a 7-6 and six goal differential. Uh, they are currently in second place in the 2022-23 league season of Bulgaria, which is a little bit farther along than a lot of the European leagues. They're about a full halfway through. Tied for number one, or not, no, sorry, not tied. They have the number one offense in the league going right now, scoring over three per match, and they're also tied for having the best defense, only giving up a goal every other match. This is the team that will win that league once again. Uh, they're five points behind CSKA Sofia, but they've got two matches in hand, so believe me, they're going to overtake them before too long. Key players to look for, tied for second best in league scoring, is Bernard Tekpete from Ghana, plays 4-0 for them. Uh, he's played with German clubs like Schalke and uh, Paderborn, which are, uh, Schalke is about the worst team in the Bundesliga right now, but Paderborn are one of the best in the second division. They might be switching places next year. Anyway, uh, 
And he's also made four national team appearances back in uh, 2017 when he was just 21 years old. Strangely, I don't think he's made any international appearances since then. I wonder who he ticked off. Time for number one in league's assist is their homegrown winger, Kirill Despadov, plays midfielder. Uh, Italian side Cagliari had him, but they mostly loaned him out. Given that they got relegated last year, I'll bet they're wishing they had him back. Team's current form, uh, they had a group stage loss most recently, but that ended a four-match winning streak for them. And finally, match number 21. And now for our last match before the bonus matches, of which we will have three. Those are super fun. We take a look at the aforementioned Europa Conference League. Just like their betters, uh, this tertiary event is also in the last match of its group stage. Uh, The groups here are four teams each. The winners will move automatically on to the knockout round. The second place finishers from each group will play in a playoff round, so half of them will get to go to the bracketed knockout round as well. And if you don't want to catch that match number 20 on it, you can catch this one on Paramount Plus at 4 o'clock too. It is Silkeborg out of Denmark versus Anderlecht out of Belgium. Neither one of them can finish in first place. Silkeborg lead Anderlecht by one. Will they play their usual uh, style of play or will they try to park the bus and just go for the draw they need to move on to that playoff round? We will see. Silkeborg is in the eastern central part of Uh, The main part of the country, which is called Jutland, has about 50,000 people, and it is gorgeous. If you are an outdoor activities person, this is the part of Northern Europe you want to go to. It's the furthest south, and this place, the city, is surrounded by the largest forest in the country, tons of lakes. It's the outdoor capital of the country. The Superliga Bear, by the way, Footy Wiset, is ranked number 14 by UEFA. This team has only ever won their own league title once, and that was all the way back in the 1990s. In fact, they haven't been consistently in League One at all. They got re-promoted to the Superliga after the 2018-19 season. Wow, and yet here they are in the Champions League. This is their first international appearance, in fact, since 2000-2001. And they dropped down to this event from the Europa League. Here in the group stage, they are 2-0-3 with a 12-5 goal differential. How have they they averaged two and a half goals a match and lost three times? That's really incredible. They've got three times the uh, the amount of offensive output that Anderlecht does. Now, Anderlecht's from a stronger league, but I think that's going to make this a really interesting match. On the scoring leaderboard for this team, Sokolborg, in this event, with three goals is Kasper Kusk plays winger for them. As far as the team here in their domestic season, the 2022-23 version, they are in fourth place. Uh, The defense has been okay. The offense has been top-notch. They're tied for number one in that regard. Tied for number five in league scoring for them, another key player to look for, Sebastian Jorgensen. He plays on the other wing, the right side, just 22 years old. Uh, Wasn't sure he was going to be with them last year. He had some, uh, or for the full year at least, he had some uh, pretty strong interest from Rangers over in Scotland recently. Team's current form, wow, those three losses, well, they weren't all in this event, but between this event and league, they have lost three straight. Anderlecht are probably seeing them and licking their chops. By the way, that is one of the 19 townships or municipalities in the southwest Brussels Capital region is what it's called, as opposed to just a city. 120,000 people in that municipality. Uh, The Belgian First Division A is just inside the top 10 within UEFA's league's coefficients. And this is the most successful team in club history 
in international competitions. They're used to being here. They qualified for this event by finishing in third place in their league last year and had to enter at the third qualifying round. They are one, two, and two on the group stage with just a four and five goal differential. I mentioned that trouble they were having on offense, and it has plagued them in league play as well. They're currently in 10th place, and that's really something because since the end of World War II, this team has never once finished outside of the top six in their league. In fact, they've got 34 league titles historically. That's the most in the nation's history. Last time they won, it was 2016-17. They've got one international uh, trophy to their credit. They won what is now this event, the Europa League, back when it was called something else in 1983. Uh, They've played in the Champions League, of course, before, but never have gotten past the group stage, despite having gotten to make so many appearances. As far as the modern Europa League, they made the round of 16 in 2016-17. That's the best they've done in the last 20-plus years. Last year, they played in the Europa Conference League and got as far as the playoff round. Uh, This year in league play, um, they're really mediocre both on offense and defense. Now, in ordinal ranking, I mean, they're getting close, kind of close to two goals per match, but this is a high-scoring league, and they're only in seventh place on defense. Uh, They've just had one draw. That's a big part of the reason. If they could just turn a couple of those into wins, they would be well up the standings. Uh, And they do have a match in hand versus about half the league. So this is a team that will, uh, if not make European competition next year, I'm not sure just how much in danger a top six finish really is for them. On the scoring leaderboard for them uh, is Fabio Silva. Uh, He's from Portugal, striker, just 20 years old. No real question where he might end up next unless they decide to sell him. He's on loan here from English Premier League side Wolverhampton. If they get relegated, they'll definitely bring him back up for the price, though. Top 10 in the league in assists is Lior Rafalov. I think I'm getting that right. He is from Israel, attacking midfielder, veteran, 36 years old, who's made 40 national team appearances back home from 2007 on. Uh, Team screw in form, uh, they are one and one of their last two on the heels of a four-match losing streak. Bring forth the bonus matches! Yes, now it is time the management for us to bring forth the bonus matches. Interestingly, I kept saying three bonus matches as I referenced it earlier in the podcast. I forgot that I had changed it down to two for this week. After all, we don't want to go overboard with the number of matches we're doing, do we? Right? Sorry, I know it was a lot of editing. Thank you. Actually, um, normally we do three bonus matches, and one of them is called the Route of the Week, which is the first versus last place match from somewhere in the world. But because one of the matches that we do for a bonus match involves last place teams, and so many of the matches that we do involve first place teams, I thought maybe it was a little bit duplicative. So I put a poll out there on Twitter and asked people to say, hey, do you think we should get rid of the route of the week in the name of brevity? And you had four choices uh, per person noob. And by the way, my Twitter handle is soccer noob USA. I'm always throwing the candidate matches for these bonus matches up there. You get to vote. Glorious content gets made. That's what we always say. And the four choices per person noob were, uh, how is it? She phrases it. Yas queen. And I think I might've even spelled it right. And then she also put up NAR. And then I added shrug and who's brevity. 
for the one or two people who might not even be familiar with that word, I thought that would be fun. And the only one that did not get a vote was Yazqui. So we will be bringing the route of the week back. I'm glad that those of you who uh, vote uh, did uh, seem to enjoy that, or maybe you were just clicking on other random things. This is all to say there's no route of the week this episode, but instead we will start our second match in song. Could you be... The most meaningless match in the world. Yes, you could. You're so boring. Ah, yes, and it's a Wednesday match from the Premier League in Kuwait. What does it mean for a match to be so terribly meaningless? Well, for us, it means that it is two teams smack in the middle of the table, or at least perfectly equidistant from the relegation zone at the bottom of the table and the top slots where they might get to go to an international tournament. These teams are just going to hang out at the end of the year, Netflix and chill, or whatever the equivalent is of that in Kuwait. Their league is ranked number 17 in all of the AFC. Um, I think they're just going to send one team to the AFC Cup, but based on how they're doing now and the coefficients starting next year, they'll get to send more. This is a league that's on the rise. Really seven matches into this season, by the way. Your matchup, number five, Jara, taking on number four, Salmaya. They are tied on points, both with one another and with number three, Al-Arabi. Uh, they all trail number one, Kuwait City, by four, and lead number nine, Tadaman Sour by four. Might be Sour, not sure, S-A-U-R. Jara playing host. They are in the east central part of the country, that city, about 20 miles from the capital of Kuwait City. Their nickname, wow, Sons of the Martyrs. That's got some profundity to it. And uh, their crest, not so much so. They've got a torch-looking thing in the foreground, a building in the background, and it's, it looks like it was drawn by a kid, quite frankly. I think person who would have done a lot better. She's got a nice, steady hand. This team just got promoted. You think they would have celebrated with a uh, perhaps a new uh, crest that they could add an adult draw? Uh, they won the second division, which was only five clubs strong. Uh, they've been in Division One in less than half of their fifty years, so very much your quintessential yo-yo team. They've only won this league title once, and that was all the way back in 1990. This year, the defense is very impressive. To be honest, they're tied for first place in that regard, but. The offense is well below average. They only give up a goal, but they also only score one goal per game. They are a perfectly meaningless 3-1-3 and on the season with a 7-7 seven and seven goal differential. Team's current form, they're on the slide a little bit, 1-0-4 oh, across all competitions in their last five matches. And now we've got a team with a different sort of cool kind of nickname. Salmaya are known as the Terrible Troublers. Maybe something gets lost in the... Uh, <laughs> the translation from Arabic, but that sounds like something out of a kid's book here. Uh, they play out of the uh, out of the city of Somalia in the Hawali government, which is also in the east central part of the country. Uh, the interior of this metro is mostly residential, and it's largely foreigners who are there for oil and other trades uh, from India and then a lot of other Arab countries. Uh, the city has about two hundred thousand people, and at least along the coast, it is really ungodly expensive. It's pushing the foreign working class completely right out of the area. Footy-wise, they've won four league titles. Last time, though, was 1999-2000. They got to make one Champions League appearance in their history. That was in 2005. 
Last year, they finished in fourth place. This year, perfectly average on offense and defense. The defense is a little bit stronger. Team's current form, well, they're unbeaten in their last six across all competitions, looking to try to be a little bit less meaningless after all. And very impressively, they just beat Kuwait City, uh, Kuwait SC rather, two to three on the road in the Crown Prince Cup, their version of the FA Cup. And no matter how many regular or bonus matches we do, one thing you can rest assured of is that we will never end on notes of happiness or joy, but rather with wailing and gnashing of teeth. We mentioned before this would be two sad sack bottom feeders. We call it the match of Disappointed! And the selected match comes to us from one of the microstates in Europe. This is a Sunday match from the Primera Divisio of Andorra which is the number 53-ranked league in all of Europe. Hard to believe that there's a couple that are actually below them. I mean, the whole country's only got like 75, 80,000 people. Uh, it's not even worth mentioning how many teams get to go to international competition. What's important for these future clubs is that one's going to get relegated. One will have to fight for their top division life at the end of the year in a relegation playoff match with a team from the second division. Yeah, believe it or not, they've actually got a second division there. Your matchup, number eight, Pena versus number seven, Ordino. Ordino currently trail Pena and number six, Sant Julia by three. Uh, Pena, kind of interestingly, Pena uh, Encarnada means cliff incarnate, if you actually translate it directly. I have a feeling there's an overall phrase in play that I'm not uh, I'm not aware of the full translation for. They play out of the city of Andorra de Valle, which is the capital. Uh, it's the tourism capital as well, but they also make a lot of furniture and a whole lot of brandy there. I want to get my hands on some of that. This, by the way, is also geographically the highest European capital in the world. The club was founded in 2009. They were just promoted last year out of that second division. And uh, they were also in Division One three years ago. That those might be the only two times in their history. They've got just a two and eight goal differential going in six matches, and they are winless, looking to go back down again. Team's current form: well, they actually opened their season with two draws, the only points they've gotten. So obviously, they have lost everything since. And now Ordino. It is the northernmost parish in the country, about 5,000 people there. And it's another really outdoorsy area like we saw for Denmark earlier. Uh, There's a national park here that's the largest nature reserve in the country. Club was founded in 2010. In 2013, they went back up to Division I, got back not. Uh, got knocked down again and came back up again in 2018-19. These are two teams that are used to being very disappointing to everybody when they make the top flight. Although last year they finished in sixth place, just a little below average. This year they've got one win and a seven versus 11 goal differential. If they could shore up the defense a little bit, they've got an outside chance that maybe San Julia would get sent down instead of them. And there's a long way to go. Uh, The only player really worth mentioning from an offensive standpoint, only guy with two goals, David uh, Corominas, a Spanish midfielder. Uh, Give you a little bit of perspective. Most of his career before coming here was with teams that I'm pretty sure over in Spain are in the fourth or fifth tier. So uh, likely just high end average at best. Team's current form, they are 1-1-1 in their last three. And that's all we've got on them. And so now, rather than wishing them good luck, as we would the rest of the clubs, 
here at the end of the show. We will shoo them away in our usual nasty fashion. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Come away. Hey, boo. Boo. And believe it or not, yes, that's always how we end this bad boy. This has been episode 107 of Soccer Noob Rock in America featuring Person Noob, but the Cavalcade edition, as I like to call it. We almost named our show the uh, World Cavalcade or something involving Cavalcade, but at this point, Noob is sort of a branding issue. In any case, thank you very much to the management for all of his editing and production wizardry, to Dan the Interno Inferno for all of his creative efforts and inspiration, to my daughter dearest, co-host Person Noob, Mwah! kisses for you. Thank you so much. Hershey's kisses, I know that you had some of those already, but you get some more from your dear old dad. And thank you to you for spending you some time, some of your time listening. We hope you've had a, a great time on our very long special edition. Hope you've got lots of learning in and lots of fun and that you'll join us again in a few days. Until then, have yourselves a fabulous footy week. Take care. Hey.